Well, every fall, um, the denomination to uh, which I belong and uh, which we're a part of, I guess, as a whole church, we have a uh, fall retreat. Pastor, first it was a pastor's retreat, then it was a pastor-spouse retreat, then it was a pastor-spouse staff retreat. It was a pastor-staff-spouse-children extended family retreat. But anyway, uh, it's always an awesome time. And I was up there um, at Camp of the Cascades up Mount Rainier on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And um, I was reminded of something. And this is always a good thing, right? When you go away, especially you get a bunch of pastors together who think they know everything. And then when you can come away saying that you were reminded of something that uh, was profound, that's always a good thing. And this is what I was reminded of, that a relationship with Jesus Christ, even though it's unlike any other relationship, in many ways is like all of the other relationships that we're in. It takes work. It has to be nurtured and maintained. Our relationship with God is dynamic. And we're either growing closer to the Lord or we're drifting away. Your heart is either growing warmer toward God or your heart is growing colder. You can't just sit. Those of you that are married know that this is true. You're either growing closer to one another or you're not. That also is a dynamic relationship. A lot of you know people who are no longer in an active relationship with Christ. People who have walked away from God. People who have shelved their faith. Put it on hold, perhaps. I may be describing some of you who sit here this morning. Truth is, we all face situations in our life that test our faith, that make us question the validity of what we believe, right? We've all faced internal struggles. We've all faced temptations and difficulties. Each one of us have experienced ups and downs in life that make us ask whether or not we really want to follow Christ after all. My life has been no exception. I became a follower of Christ when I was a high school student, probably for all the wrong reasons, but a follower nevertheless. And in my early 20s, my life fell apart. I faced a lot of very difficult circumstances, both personally, relationally, vocationally, and I walked away. I said, if this is what Christian faith means, if this is what following Christ is all about, I don't want any of it. I tried Christianity, and it came up wanting. I blamed people. I blamed the church. I blamed my parents. I blamed my pastor. I blamed everybody that was within blaming distance. I wanted nothing to do with the church. I wanted nothing to do with Christians. And so I ran as fast and as far away as I could get. And guess what? God ran faster. And God was waiting for me. Amen. It's pretty creepy, really. I spent about seven years in the far country. And uh, I'm going to spare the details, but it was not a, not a wonderful time in my life. And I was angry. And uh, I felt like I had gone so far down the road that I was unredeemable. And I bet some of you that are here this morning feel the same way. You've gone too far down the road 
so far, in fact, that God probably can't salvage you. That's what you think. Well, here's the good news. God restores us. God restores us. He offers us grace and He redeems us. He redeems every bit of us. Everything we've ever done. The good and the bad. He, in fact, transforms us and He makes us better than we were before. That is the truth. When we stumble and fall, when we make a mess out of our lives, God says, you can come back to me. I'm waiting for you with open arms. This is how the prophet Isaiah expressed God's heart. No matter how deep the stain of your sins, I can take it out and I can make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. How does God restore us? How does He clean us up and make us better than we were before? Some of you are probably saying, you know, I would be happy just to get back to the way I was before. That would be all right with me. And yet God is able to do far more abundantly than all we can think, ask, or imagine in our lives as well. How do we begin to experience that joy of the Lord that we once knew? And these are some of the questions I want to look at this morning. But before we do, I think it's important to talk about some of the reasons that people walk away from Christ in the first place. And in order to do that, I want to look at this passage in Mark, the Gospel of Mark. The story of Peter's denial of Jesus on the night that Jesus was betrayed. If you have a Bible and you want to kind of follow along through there, it's Mark 14, verses 27 through 72. Some of you may be familiar with this story. There are many reasons why people walk away from Christ, why they abandon their faith. But in this account, we find four, four common reasons why people walk away. Jesus and his disciples were in an upper room sharing the Passover meal, and they were enjoying an intimate relational time together when Jesus shocked all of them by announcing that one of the twelve would betray him turn him over to the Jewish authorities. And so all the disciples began to ask, Is it me, Lord? Am I the one? Not me. Am I the one who will do it? And then Peter, in his typical unthinking, foot-in-mouth style, declares, and listen to this, Even if all fall away, Peter says, I will not. Can you hear that? Even if everybody else abandons you, I won't. You can hear the cockiness in his voice. Not me, Lord. I will never stumble. You can count on me. I am right there with you. This is the first reason that people fall away from Christ. Overconfidence, cockiness. We begin to believe that we are up to any task, any challenge, We are capable. We can handle whatever comes our way. We're resourceful. We're strong. And even though everybody else fails, we won't fail. This was me. This was me. I think it's a lot of us. You ever find yourself looking at people and their situations and kind of shaking your head in disgust and going, how could that happen? I would never do that. I would never treat my wife that way. 
I would never treat my friends that way. I would never make a decision like that. When we see those around us stumble and fall, we say, that could never happen to me. Have you ever said this? Have you ever thought it? And if you have, you're setting yourself up. We are all vulnerable. Every one of us. We're all imperfect. And given the right situation, any one of us is capable of sin, of any sin. Given the right circumstances, each of us could choose to walk away from Christ. I shared my story with some people a number of years ago. And there was a woman who heard my story and she said, you are the only Christian that I've ever met that abandoned his faith and then came back. And I found that hard to believe. Because I think we're all, to one degree or another, in this process of drawing closer to Christ, stepping away, drawing closer, calls us back. We're in that. But we're all vulnerable There are things that happen in life that have the potential to derail us or cause us to abandon faith altogether. Another reason that people walk away from Christ is this. Fatigue. Tiredness. Weariness. We become lethargic and we begin to slack off. We get tired of doing the right thing. We get tired of doing the right thing. Now, be honest, followers of Christ. Do you ever wish that you could just do the wrong thing? I mean, we do sometimes. You know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about some wacky, weird thing. I'm just saying it's hard work to choose to do the right thing. Clearly, it's more difficult to do the right thing than it is to do the wrong thing. To consistently choose to do the right thing takes energy. It takes thought. It takes effort. It takes stamina. It's tiring following Christ. It's emotionally and physically and spiritually demanding. It's exhausting, really, to live for Him. It isn't one of those things where you just kind of show up for church on a Sunday morning, call it good, and go off on your merry way and do whatever you want to do. It's a 24-7 kind of thing, and that's tiring. We don't find balance if we don't find a way to recharge ourselves. Fatigue will set in. And fatigue is always a warning sign. Something is wrong. Something is out of order. If you are so bone tired that you can't get out of bed in the morning, you can't lift your arms, something is wrong. And when we're fatigued and we're worn out, we are vulnerable to all kinds of things. Look at Peter. Jesus asked him, and two other disciples to go to the garden to be with him while he prayed. And they couldn't stay awake. On the most stressful night of their master's life, on the last night the Lord was alive, they couldn't stay awake. In fact, they couldn't stay awake for even one hour, the scripture says. I know a lot of people, a lot of followers of Christ, who have stumbled and fallen. And without exception, it's almost always happened when they're under stress, when they're tired, when they're fatigued, when they're worn out. This was certainly the case in my life. I ignored all the warning signs because I was so capable. If there's a collective sin that we have as a culture and as a church, it's that we are so incredibly capable. 
that we don't need each other and we certainly don't need Christ. So we do it on our own. I didn't take time to recharge myself spiritually or physically. I quit praying. I quit reading the Bible. I quit spending time with other believers. And I grew more and more fatigued until I finally cracked. And I walked away from the whole thing. I said, this is too hard. I don't want to do this anymore. When we become fatigued, we set ourselves up to fall. Fatigue lowers our defenses and it makes us vulnerable to walking away from Christ. And then there's fear. The fear of being identified with Christ. It's another reason why people shelve their faith. We worry about what people will think. I worry about it, and I get paid to do this. We're afraid they'll label us, that they'll reject us, that they'll ridicule us. We're afraid that they'll harass us. And most of all, I believe we're afraid that they'll categorize us along with all those other wacky Christians And you're just another one of those. We're fearful. And this is what happened to Peter. Look at verse 54. After Jesus was arrested, the scripture says, Peter followed him at a distance. Now, granted, Peter's life was on the line. Okay, but look at that phrase. He followed Jesus from a distance. Peter was fearful. He was ashamed. He was confused. So he kept his distance. Just far enough so that no one could identify him as a follower of Christ. Are you following Christ at a distance as you sit here this morning? A safe distance so that no one will think that you're radical or that you're fanatical? Are you far enough removed from Jesus to be safe so that no one can categorize you or label you? I believe in Jesus but I don't want to go overboard with this thing. Come on. I'm a follower of Christ, but within reason. One of the signs that you're slipping away from Christ is when you begin to distance yourself from Him. And when you become overly concerned about what other people think, when you're ashamed to be identified as a follower, or when you're ashamed to be seen with other people who follow Christ. One of my stops along my journey back in the day was in banking. And... uh, as God pursued me, <laughs> he sent people into my life, and I, I, I literally couldn't get away from people. I mean, I remember one time interviewing this couple for a small business loan, and I was sitting in my banker chair with my banker suit on, looking at their financial statements. And the lady stops, and she goes, can I ask you a question? Um, have you ever been a missionary? What? No. And I pulled out another cigarette. Missionary this. Do you go to church here in town? No. I don't go to church. I did once, but I don't go anymore. And then I had this pastor friend who was so incredibly annoying. And he hounded me. In fact, it got so bad that I had to tell my secretary in the loan department, she knew his voice. I said, when that guy calls, you tell him anything but I don't want to talk to him. I would scream at him on the phone. Leave me alone. Don't call me at work. Don't stop by my house. Don't ask me to sing and play the guitar in your stinking church. I don't do that anymore. And he kept coming after me. 
And then he would come into the bank and people would see him and they'd go, who's that guy? Oh, he's a guy that I, you know, I used to know. And then they'd hear the conversation. What's the deal with this guy? Oh, he's a pastor friend of mine. A pastor. What are you doing hanging out with people like that? And it goes on and on. But I wanted to die when people talked about Christ and about the church and about what that all meant. Worrying about what other people think is a sign that we're on a slippery slope and that we're either on our way or we're in danger of walking away. Well, Peter not only followed from a distance, but then he did this. And this to me is is really amazing. He sat down with the guards, it says, and he warmed himself by the fire. Now, think about this for a minute. On the night that Jesus was being handed over to be flogged, to be beaten, and ultimately to die on the cross, Peter follows him, and then he takes a time out to sit by the fire and warm himself up. The desire for comfort. It's another reason that so many people walk away from faith. We want faith. I believe that most of us, we want it. You know, we want that aha experience like we saw in this video clip, where it's just, you know, I, I never knew. But we want it to be comfortable, right? We want it to be convenient. We want it to fit our schedule. We want it to fit nicely into an hour and 30 minutes on Sunday morning. And we really don't want Jesus to impose on us or to cramp our style. Thank you very much. It's relationship with God on my terms. And to the degree that I can do that, it's okay. The scene with Peter, like I said, is unbelievable. He's warming himself by the fire, hanging out, wanting to be comfortable. And we do the same thing. I want to enjoy life. I want to be part of the crowd. I want to fit in. I want to be accepted. I will follow Jesus when it makes sense, when it's convenient, but when it's not convenient or comfortable, forget it. When it begins to cost something, I don't want to do it anymore. I have seen a lot in 20 years of ministry, and even saying 20 years of ministry out loud freaks me out. I actually spent 20 years wandering. 20 years to the date that I sensed God's call to ministry, I was ordained. 20 years. I pray that it doesn't take some of you that long to figure it out. But 20 years in ministry, so how old is this guy? In fact, sometimes I think I've seen it all. But just when I say I think I've seen it all, I ain't seen it all. So I don't say that anymore. I watched a lot of people flame out. I watched myself flame out. A lot of good people. A lot of good people that I know have walked away from Christ. And they've just said, can't do this anymore. People who were stellar Christians are nowhere to be found. At least in Christian circles. Even in the past six years in this church, I've witnessed a parade of short-term disciples who walk with Christ as long as it's convenient and comfortable. But when the going gets tough, when the commitment word is uttered, gone. Me. When I was confronted, when the truth was spoken to me, I don't need this. I'm gone. I've noticed a pattern at Summit View. And I've noticed it in other places too. But I've seen it over and over. People distance themselves from each other. Think about this. Pretty soon they're not hanging with you anymore. And then they distance themselves from God. And then they're gone. They're gone. They vanish. 
rarely to be seen again. Tragic, and it's sad. So how does God respond when we do this? Because we all, on some level, do it. How does God respond? He responds the way that He always does, with grace, with love, with unconditional acceptance. That is God. Romans 8.1 says, There is no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. This word no is the strongest possible negative in the Greek language. It literally means no, 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 never, 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 not in a million years. That's what it means. No, there is no condemnation. God doesn't condemn. On the contrary, he welcomes us back and he restores us. His arms are wide open to us. But this being said... How do we get back? What gymnastics do we need to go through? How are we restored? How are we reunited with Christ? We do one thing. We do one thing. We return. We turn around and we return to his love. We come back to Christ. It's that simple and it's that difficult. I blew it. I'm back. God, forgive me. I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, I'm too far down the road. There is no way back for me. It would take too much energy. It would take too much effort. It would take way too much time. And besides, if you knew what I've done, you'd know that God could never forgive me. You're wrong. You're very wrong. The truth is, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've become, no matter what you're doing, no matter how far you've fallen, it's only one step back. Return to Christ. Come home. My prayer is that this place is truly a sanctuary where people can come home to Christ. Listen to what God says through Jeremiah. If you return to me, I will restore you so that you can continue to serve me. Through Isaiah, these words, with great compassion... I will take you back. When we return to God, He restores us and He strengthens us. Now, you may think you're beyond redemption, not worthy of God's restoring grace. You may feel disqualified from His love. You may think that God has forgotten you, but the truth is He has not forgotten you. He knows everything about you. He's the good shepherd who leaves 99 sheep to go find that one lost sheep. He's the loving father who patiently waits for the prodigal son or daughter to come home and then doesn't just wait, but runs out to greet them, to embrace them, to kiss them, and to welcome them home. This grace, this love of God, is the pearl of great price that Andy talked about earlier. It's worth selling everything to possess. And it's worth doing anything to keep. That's the truth. God knows where you're at this morning. He sees your heart. He knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows everything you've done. And guess what? He loves you. He loves you and me. He welcomes us home. He doesn't condemn. He welcomes. He welcomes you back into his loving arms. This is grace. It's grace that restores. It's grace that empowers. It's 
Grace that makes us better than we ever were before. It's grace that restores the joy of our salvation. It's grace that's worth giving our life for. Come home to Christ today. Amen.